Show number 30 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Show number 30. Wow. I can't believe it. Should we be having a midlife crisis yet, or is that later? No, that's later. That's at 40, right? These are the good years. Good. (laughs) So welcome to Look at His His Butt. butt. And we have just looked... Well, not we, at his butt, no, but we at, haven't looked at his butt, and uh, that's a shame, really. That's got to come up soon. Well, here's how this happened. Here's how we got ourselves into this mess. Yes, please tell me. <laughs> I'll tell you. We got an you email. You can be the exposition police. I, on this I am. I'm going to expose it right now. Do it. We got an email from one of our listeners back in December, a guy named Corey Strode, who said, "Here in Minneapolis, we have a live action horror host movie every Saturday night, and the movie this week was Mysteries of the Gods." And he says, it's not just William Shatner spouting the crackpot theories of Eric Von Doniken. It's not just Shatner interviewing Gene Dixon, who tells us that aliens are landing in August of 1977. I remember that. Yeah, it's not just Shatner interviewing people from NASA who are doing their best not to laugh at him. No, it's Shatner in some of the worst leisure suits of the 70s with sideburns that would have made Elvis weep. Yep. The audience was small, but we laughed, we mocked, we were given triples for attending, and a good time was had by all. (laughs) Hey, we didn't get any triples. Hopefully, you two can get your hands on a copy and watch it soon, because to be honest, as I left the theater, I wanted to buy a DVD copy with commentary (coughs) by the two of you. (coughs) So, I got it. I bought it off of eBay for for like $3 or something like that. Thank God, spend more than that. No, and um, it was a good old beat-up VHS copy with a picture on the front of William Shatner, um... Well, it's a drawing of William Shatner as Captain Kirk. And I have to say, that was really horrible. <laughs> um, to us, the big mystery here was not of the gods or anything else. It was the mystery of the toupee. Yes. And most of our commentary had to do with the toupee, how it came into being, <laughs> why Bill was wearing it, who told him it looked good. <gasps> Was Marcy, his wife at that time, turned on by bad toupees? And is that why we see so many of them in the 70s? I don't know. This movie was made in 1976. And Bill looked great. Oh. He looked really good. He did. I mean, he was slim. His face looked good. He just, his eyes were beautiful. Mm-hmm. Everything was just wonderful. And then, there on top of his head, sat the thing. Well, I think it's because um, millions of years ago, aliens visited the Earth (laughs) and seeded Bill Shatner's head with uh, this. Or else my other theory was that um, at various times in the toupee world, there is a tournament where the the top top bad toupee in the world, the toughest toupee, has to go up against the toupee that Bill is currently wearing. Uh And then the winner takes over the territory. It it becomes the alpha toupee. It does. It's the alpha toupee. And this is the toupee that I believe defeated the toupee (laughs) in Night Gallery. It's pretty tough, that that toupee. It has to be. And what I was just wondering was, you know, there's Bill, this incredibly good-looking guy, you know, sex machine, and he gets charm up and hotness. Charm and hotness. He gets up in the morning, he looks in the mirror, and he sees that gorgeous face looking at him, and he looks at that dead cat on his head, and he says, I can carry this off. <laughs> I don't need to have good hair. The face, the body, the charm and the hotness does it all. It does it. I can leave this thing on my head. <laughs> and it was a thing. It was a thing. It was pretty scary. Now, the other thing we noticed was that, because this was made in 1976, Every single other person that he interviewed had horrible hair. It was really. like a competition. Oh, my God. 
it was it was incredible. And there was this one so-called scientist who I swear put on a Halloween getup so no one would recognize him in the movie. I I mean, Jerry Lewis in his worst make fun of the handicap sort of movies did not wear glasses that goofy. It's true. And then of course there was Gene Dixon who had the regulation cotton candy hair of the time which and was Jumping up and down. She was. She was, she was so sort of excited. vibrating with excitement. But I hadn't realized, I mean, I'd seen pictures of her, like in the Inquirer, that she's this very tiny little woman. Mm-hmm. And th- that hair that she has, that teased out bouffant, made her head look like this little pinhead with giant hair surrounding it. It's it was that, really weird. It's that Nancy Reagan thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was total Nancy Reagan. So that was, it was very strange. The hair was weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very boring, you know. It was just people talking and talking and talking and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, the other weird thing about this movie is that it was a German movie. Um, and I wasn't quite sure because it kept saying English version directed by an mm-hmm. English version. So given that a lot of the movie, okay, the voice is over by Shatner easily. It was just somebody else reading it in German, right? But for the interviews, what do you think they did? Was it subtitled or did they try to dub it or what? I have no idea. I just really wonder about that. Or maybe they did the interviews twice with somebody else who wasn't William Shatner. Some some charming hotness German Some guy. other guy, yeah. I don't know. Um, in case you wanted to know, this movie is listed at IMDb, and it was completely based on that stupid book, Chariots of the Gods, by Eric von Doniken. And as we're sitting here watching it, because we're the so... The brother of Hyla Godonkasan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I just had to throw that in. Uh-huh. We're sitting here fast forwarding through it because it's oh. so very boring. We're stopping just to look at Bill. Yeah. And, and go, Ooh, look, he's wearing an open neck shirt. I hope he turns toward the camera. And well, we have to talk about the collars. Okay. Let me just say whatever okay. I was going to say. Cause All right. Before it slips out of my mind, because my mind is more like a sieve than ever <laughs> and things are just falling through it. Um, we're fast forwarding through it. And one of the things that they talk about in the movie um, is the crystal skull. This particular one, Crystal Skull, and this woman is going on and on about how her father found it. And I'm sitting here Googling it and, like, finding out that, in fact, her dad, who she told this elaborate story of how they had found this skull and researched, proved much later on that he had bought it at an auction at Sotheby's for, like, 400 pounds. And that was really made in Germany with, you know, precision tools and all the rest of it. And, you know, so crap on top of crap on top of crap. And... <laughs> Everything about they said about the Nazca lines was totally wrong, just <laughs> plain old wrong. And and so, you know, insulting, too. The guy's talking about the Nazca lines is saying, this is 1976, like, the Nazca lines have only been known to humankind for 30 years. And, you know, well, what about all those people, those little brown people <laughs> who have been living there for hundreds count. of years? They don't count as humankind, humankind, I guess. You know, oh, they're just South American Indians, who yeah, cares? Yeah. So, anyway, I just had to get that out of the way. Uh, you were about to say something? I have no idea. Oh, the collars. Uh, oh, the collars, yeah. Um, he had um, these collars that were practically UFOs <laughs> on his shirt. They were huge. And one really was a, like a superhero it type was. thing. It was. It totally was. And we were sort of speculating that the collar was trying to creep up the back of his head yeah. and turn into a hood yeah. and, and strangle the toupee. Uh-huh. I think so. I think the outfits in the toupee were at war. I, I think so. So he was wearing, um, in one of the scenes, he was wearing this sort of rust-colored velour leisure suit thing mm. that was pretty scary. Yeah, but 
was that the one or was it another one that had, you know, very low cut V so you could see his little, you know, gold yeah. necklace, which of course all real men wore in the 70s, mm-hmm. and chest hair. Yes, you got to see chest hair, which was really good. And mm-hmm. there was another interview where um, he was sitting, they were in, at NASA and we were speculating, you know, they didn't really identify the people that he was interviewing as, say, NASA scientists. So he's at NASA, clearly in mission control. It's like the big room that you see mm-hmm. when they do it all. But it didn't say that this guy was a NASA scientist and we thought, maybe you know they snuck in there in the middle of the night and did yeah. this interview while nobody was looking yeah like, this guy he's not a scientist just psst, psst, come he's over the here janitor just or come something. Over. put the lights on they won't notice if we do it really fast yeah but um when he was when shatter was sitting there and trying to like he was pretending to pay attention to what this guy was saying he sort of had his head turned to one side and his his neck looked really graceful and beautiful and <laughs> I was so just you look- can tell how interesting. That's what I was doing. Was. I was looking at his throat, going, "Wow, look at that! He's all tan, and it looks really nice." Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was where my attention was focused. Yeah, well, <laughs> as it should be. As I it suppose. should be. I mean, all's right in the world. <laughs> oh, Bill! So this was one of those things he had to do for money, right? Yeah, to make his child support payments. And yeah, well, maybe stuff. that's why he couldn't have decent toupees. He was sending it all to the kids. I suppose so. Do you think this was ever released in the movie theater? It's only an hour long, yeah. So I'm thinking that it was like probably shown on TV or something. Mm, I wonder during a PBS fundraiser. <laughs> yeah, or it's one of those things that you know when they remember when when we were younger they used to show like a little thing before the movie started. Yeah, but it wasn't an hour Some, long. Well, I think sometimes they would they would show maybe a couple of these rather than a real feature. Yeah, really? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. Hmm. Okay, I don't it remember that. Seemed like I can't even imagine seeing this in the movie theater. You'd just be asleep <laughs> after the first ten minutes. Well, There's people thinking, talking and you talking. know it has, um, except for the presence of William Charman Hotness Shatner, it has all the attributes of those bad movies they used to show in school. Oh yeah, that were supposedly educational. Yeah, yeah, it, oh, it was bad. And there was another technique that the director or whoever used was that whoever was holding the camera would execute a 360 degree turn but not real slow it was actually a bit faster than that so i, I was getting a little car sick actually <laughs> with the spinning around thing happening so we watched it okay now so we never have to watch it again yes so graceful segue here yeah we've seen some bad science yes let's have some bad science fiction yay holding in my hand something i picked up at a, a star trek convention it is a book, almost <laughs> kind of a booklet. More booklet. Than a it is a booklet. More than a pamphlet, a though. Uh, Star Trek II biographies, and it's got picture on the cover of you know the the characters from Star Trek II. This is that that era, and that's when this thing came out. It says discover exciting facts about all your favorite Star Trek II characters. Wow! So it's got character biographies in here, and everything in it is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to read you some of the, oh, please, the please. facts it's got about Kirk. <coughs> he was born on Farside Base, Luna, the moon, 28th of July, 2132. His father was Eugene Claudius Kirk. His mother was Marjorie Wimpole. His older brother is George Samuel Kirk. Well, I think they got that right, right? His younger sister <laughs> is Michelle Suzanne Kirk. Suzanne, huh? Yeah. Um... He went to Thomas Jefferson Elementary School at Farside Base, Junipero Serra Elementary School in Santa Barbara, Oxnard Union High School in Oxnard, 
USC in Los Angeles, and then Starfleet Academy. Why would you pick Oxnard? I mean, of all the places that you could possibly pick, why? <laughs> because the person who wrote this <laughs> went um, to Oxnard. So then it lists all these citations and stuff. And then this book is so funny because it's got, like, interviews. So it's got, like, excerpts from his, his autobiography <laughs> and an interview with his mother. <laughs> oh, please read some of it, please. Well, that's what I'm looking for. Um, did you, the, the interviewer who is NBC, apparently, says, did you encourage him in any way to go into space? No, he didn't need it. It was something we all understood. <laughs> if anything, I guess we discouraged him. Didn't work, I'm happy to say. His brother George was the same, only he set himself limits. George wanted to go out, see some of what there was to see, find a fine woman, <laughs> and s- and settle down on some interesting planet and have a family. <laughs> so you see, not every person who longs to travel to the stars wants to keep on traveling to the stars. Because <laughs> they're good boys, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Well, anyway. No. <laughs> this goes on. It's too funny. I don't even know what preceded this. But the, the interviewer says, what do you mean? And she goes, get himself a nice, speedy little ship. Maybe one of these Explorer-class ships. Something that gets good mileage. <laughs> <laughs> or perhaps recondition an old scout ship. Something like that. Then just take off again. There are plenty who would go with him, I'm certain. Then the interviewer says, whom do you mean? Women? I wouldn't know about that. <laughs> Does it really say that? I swear to you. <laughs> but I meant his shipmates. People he knew, people he trusted. <laughs> Does she start talking about his Uncle Snowball? <laughs> I think she's baking some hot dish while she's doing this. <laughs> she talking about the cold cereal? <laughs> Well, anyway, the whole point is that we got sidetracked <laughs> sidetrack by mom, but what I was trying to talk about was we have also in the Kirk section, Yes, you're going to have to read this because I'm falling apart, excerpts from Janice Rand's diary. Oh, my God. So um, I want you to read that, and then, um, then there's another excerpt. Um, okay. A couple pages later from Janice right. Rand's diary. I'll see if I can do this without crying. Dear up. diary. Dear diary, yeah. You know, we always joke that um, when Uhura is on the bridge and she has the spanking list, besides writing on the spanking list, she's always doodling and she's writing um, Mrs. Spock. Yeah. <laughs> Miss, yeah, Mrs. N. Spock. Mr. and Mrs. Spock. Writing little flowers. And so I think, you know, Janice is probably writing J and J. And, you know, Jim and Janice. Her her diary has one of those plastic covers with Barbie on it. Yeah, and a little lock with yeah. a key. Little yeah, lock. little lock with a key. And she wears the key on a little chain. Around her wrist. Okay. So this is Janice's diary. <clears throat> there seems to be a wall between JTK and myself. I can't break it down. Only he can do that. I'm a yeoman. He's a captain. Captain is in italics for well, some reason. With so many responsibilities. But, but you know, Janice... Oh, well, he's an admiral at this point, but go ahead. Okay. Um, well, it does have a different date on it, so maybe it's supposed oh, okay. to be old from when they were on the ship. But he needs a woman. If not me, then someone. 
Okay, then there's a poem which is entitled, The Gift of Love. The gift of love is mine to make, to child or man, jade or rake. (laughs) We'll come back to that. (laughs) A gift of love is a loving thing, built from what you two it bring. Wow. (laughs) That was convoluted. That was tortured. Four lines and I could barely get through it. Wait, there's a little bit more. This gift of love is the gift I give to a shy, brave heart to make him live. I feel this life racing past is much too swift for one love's task. Wow. That was deep. That was deep. Ooh. Boy, those first couple of lines, though, I nearly got lost there. Yeah. I'm glad you left a trail of breadcrumbs. Exactly. You need a beacon. So put forward a couple pages to uh, to Janice's next one. I don't understand that. The gift of love is mine to make to child or man, jade or rake. Now, I know what a rake is. What's a jade? Um, the opposite of a cooter. <laughs> That's the obvious interpretation. <laughs> jade or rake? What the hell does that mean? Oh, God. Person right. who's jaded? I guess. It's kind of weird. Is this the one you want? This one? Yes. Okay. Um... I'm going to read the little uh, entry right before it, because these are... Well, they're not quite consecutive. Let's see. Uh, This person kids me constantly about my infatuation for JTK. should be infatuation with JTK. (laughs) And I just have to keep my mouth shut. I cannot compromise him in any way, either directly or indirectly. He is not only a Starfleet officer, but ship's captain. That comes first. I know that. Their ships come first to all starship commanders. I suppose it should not be any other way, really. But there are times when I might wish it another way. Wow, she's got it bad. (laughs) Now, here's Janice Rand Dale. What is that? Why does she have a different name? Maybe she got married. All right. So here's her diary. Here's her poetry in her diary. This doesn't have a title. This is life. This is the heartbeat of you. This is you in my arms. We are life. We are the life we know. We are a two-part love. There is life. There is life living in us. There is a chain to the future. You are life. You are the death of loneliness. You are the other part of me. Wait. It's really weird. Wait. This is an awful lot like that poem Wildcat wrote, You Are the Air Freshener of My Soul. It's pretty close to that. I almost got stuck there on the second line. This is the heartbeat of you. I almost said this is the heartbeat of America. <laughs> and then we are a two-part love, as opposed to like the multi-part love, yeah, the three- or four-part yeah. love. Wow. Do you remember when somebody wrote that KS poem that had the thing in it about, my? I know the name of your teeth? <laughs> <laughs> yep, I remember that one. That was pretty bad. Well, anyway, this is a, this is a really fun little book that is absolutely clueless about everything. I think I'm going to have to read um, the entire interview with Jim's mom. Because oh my god, that was just too funny. <laughs> that was really, really funny. Is there anything from Mitchell in here? Oh no, this is Star Trek Two. But no memories or anything. Well, I don't think oh. so. But it seems to me when you go to the Spock section, Chapel wrote some poems for oh, him. Oh, let's look at that. Okay. Let's look at that. Where's the Scott section? Is that f- Spock is first? No. Why is Chekhov first? That doesn't make any Alphabetical sense. Alphabetical order? Ugh. Please. Kirk <laughs> should always be first. 
Scotty. Scotty. Scotchy. <laughs> Scotchy. Oh, God. I know. Oh, a letter from Tapau to Spock. That's really weird. Oh, wow. I don't even think I want to read that. Ship's log. Oh, I thought there was a poem. I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking. Maybe it's in... Oh, no, Chapel's not in Star Trek Two. I was going to say maybe it was in her section. Oh, uh, oh, oh, oh. Excerpt, Private Diary by Christine Chappell. Oh, goody. Here we go. Is she wearing her French cup of um, panties? I'm sure she is. This sounds a lot like Rand's diary, i got to say. <laughs> ah! Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, we just kicked something over. <clears throat> First line. Is it never to be? I cannot explain my feelings, even to myself. My longings are inexpressible. Then why are you writing this? <laughs> His entire background, heritage, and manner defeats any attempts by me to penetrate to his heart. Okay, who writes diaries like this? <laughs> Let me get my thesaurus over here and start writing to myself. But he is half human, and it is to that half that I attempt to appeal. But it is like throwing yourself at a rock wall. There and getting plum soup thrown back really? at you. There are times in which I think he wants to break out, to burst forth, to show his feelings for me. He must have feelings for me. There are times when I almost wish he might show his emotions to another woman. At least then I might be able to fight, to cope, to know that I had a chance. But he, cut, <laughs> yeah, but he cuts himself off from all emotion. It is that damnable Vulcan blood. It runs green and cold in him, denying the feelings and emotions of others. No, he acknowledges that others have feelings, but does not understand them. I tried appealing to him in a logical way, but I only confused him. For whatever I did, <laughs> it seemed illogical to me. What? <laughs> what? 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 Okay, I don't understand that. It is hard seeing him every watch, being near him, touching him, even on occasion caring for him. How long can I last? Am I doomed to this fruitless task of scaling a sheer rock wall with no footholds? I must be mad. Ah! <laughs> this is like House of Usher. <laughs> but I continue. I oh, shall, that's more. <laughs> I, I shall always continue to try. Wow. Wow, that's love. That's pretty good. That's love. That's pretty, I no... wish I loved somebody that much and, and, and that pointlessly and illogically. And there's, no, there's no poetry by Christine. Oh. There was just that. Unfortunately. We'll have to imagine unfortunately, it. Unfortunately, yeah. Anyway. That's great. Uh, and they, they do have Uhura in here. What do they give her first name as? They, they give the, the, the Fanon okay. first Inyota. name. Inyota. Which I also want to say that to all you people who have ever known or written Uhura stuff. If her name is Swahili, it's not Niyota, okay? It's Inyota. That's the way you say it in Swahili. I just have to get that off my chest. And tell them what Lori's last name is. Lori? His wife. Siani? Yeah, but you told me it's not Siani. I did? Yeah. Whoops, what did I say? I don't okay, remember. Okay, I wrote her in a story, and they were nicknaming her Second Chance Siani. Yeah. And you told me that didn't make sense because it's pronounced Chiani. Oh, right, because if she's Italian, it should be Chiani. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. that's what I was I couldn't at. remember. <laughs> it was a long time ago. I Maybe we can't work quite so unscripted. <laughs> I don't know. This book is giving us a lot of good raw material here. <laughs> I like that. I like it a lot. So whatever happened to Jim's little sister, Michelle? I don't know. I don't know. Well, uh, does it say what um, uh, uh, 
Sulu's first name is? Oh, let's see. I wonder. Yeah, it has Hikaru. Okay. So that's interesting. I wonder. So they, they got two bits of Phantom right and got everything else everything wrong. Everything else wrong. Every other single thing. I wonder if Spock has any, has any siblings. <laughs> oh, this is great. Look, under Spock, father, Sarek, mother, Amanda Grayson, homo sapien. <laughs> That's what it says on her passport. <laughs> they stamped it, homo sapien. Not Terran. No. Oh, no, no, no. Homo sapien. Because you know all those different kinds of uh, weird things that so come up. So did he go around. to Oxnard High School too? <laughs> Vulcan Primary School. Vulcan. It says that Vulcan Middle School. <laughs> oh my God! Now I'm thinking. Did he go to Happy Serac Daycare Center? <laughs> oh, we have to dig up for for those people listening. Once upon a time, in a in a, a fandom far far away. We wrote a whole bunch of these little scenes of the Vulcan delinquents oh, with, right. <laughs> with their their souped up, um, you know, cruisers and, and flitters and things yeah. like that, and how they used to hang out. All the cool kids would be there, and you know, they had their hair greased back and yeah. everything. That was very funny. <laughs> he went to um, the Vulcan Academy of Sciences, University of Macropios. What the hell is that? I don't know. Macropios, like in Greece. Okay. And he was Starfleet Academy, class of 85. No, he never went to the Academy. What can I tell you? Huh. Interests. Meditation. <laughs> Not an interest. Okay, one of my interests is sleeping late. I pursue it whenever possible. Breakfast in bed. Really? <laughs> Oh well, God. anyway, oh I think we've, we've laughed enough at that uh, for for a bit. This is great. We definitely have to mine this for some more information. <laughs> yeah. I really want you to read more <laughs> we from may that have interview to do with his mother. Recording, or you can be the interviewer and I'll oh, be Oh, that would be great. That would be that really would great. That would be fun. <laughs> I can't do it that long without laughing. I know, but you know, I'm looking at Kirk's Starfleet assignments. Where did they get all this stuff? The El Dorado, the Saladin, before he was on the Enterprise? They made it up. Uh, here, interests. Kirk's interests. Women. It doesn't say that. Oh, then they're wrong. Artifacts of ancient worlds. I thought that was Picard. Yeah. Specifically Earth. Null gravity handball. <laughs> How would you play handball in no gravity? That would be this, funny. Yeah. That would be really this funny. Is one of these things you do in bad science fiction is you take like an everyday thing... And you say, okay, we'll make it anti-gravity, or we'll make it tri, like it's not a recorder, it's a tricorder. Tri yeah, like tri Yeah, and it's, you know, anti-gravity um, handball, and, you know. But imagine trying to play anti-gravity handball, so you're in this room, right, and you're floating around, because there's no gravity. I mean, there's still, like, velocity and stuff, so, you know, you throw the ball, and then it's like a bullet ricocheting around inside the thing. Bam, 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 bam. Ah, my head! Okay, you didn't read... What? Um, who, uh, who, uh, McCoy's father is. No, I didn't. What's his name? Robert Edward Lee McCoy. Robert E. Lee McCoy. Oh, my God. <sighs> because he's from the South, you know. Because he's from the South, you know. 
that book is great. Yeah, it's pretty good. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, let's take a break. Um, we're going to come back with Because we're stuff. good boys, you know. Yeah, we've got some, um, some news and things that we need to talk about. So uh, hang on. We'll be right back. frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Okay, gang, you know the drill. Send us email at lookathisbutt at gmail.com. Leave comments at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. We want to hear from you, and you know we're going to read your email on the show. This entire podcast recorded on an Apple PowerBook with GarageBand. The Sci-Fi Podcast Network has collected together some of the best science fiction, fantasy, and gaming podcasts out there. The Sci-Fi Podcast Network has a lot of great programming that you might be missing. The goal of this podcast is to showcase some of the great shows available on the network so that you don't miss out on all the fun. Each episode will contain an interview with a TSFPN podcaster and clips from their show. I'll also play some of the fun, funny, and cool clips from some of the other TSFPN shows from this week. To start listening to TSFPN Sci-Fi Access, just visit tsfpn.com. usually doing we're going to break with tradition here and have this just be two segment show instead of a three segment show because okay. the last segment was so impossibly long well we got a look here uh, i know well, that, mother, but uh, she just wouldn't shut up <laughs> and we got a whole bunch of, of short things to go through here so um we'll go ahead and do that we got lots of little newsy things stuff that was in the news and on the interwebs and some mail that we got we wanted to read some mail and, and just kind of catch up on things Right. 
So let's see. So hit it. Okay, I'm going to start and kind of go back to front here. This was a little bit of Trek news that happened recently, which is that our, our friends over at New Voyages, uh, who we've talked about several times, mm-hmm. have now signed on David Gerald and George Takei to do some stuff. Um, let's see. Gerald is going to be writing two stories for the series. One will be a sequel to The Trouble with Tribbles. That is, he says, is based on an idea he had for many years. There is a twist, Gerald explained. What starts out funny won't be. It will become a horror story. Oh, my God. With the tri- terror with Tribbles? The terror with Tribbles, I guess. Tribbles going terrorist? Maybe they become um, cannibals or something. Um, Gerald's other story will be a reworked version of Blood and Fire, an episode he originally pitched when he was a staff member at Star Trek Next Generation, which was ultimately rejected for its controversial content dealing with an AIDS-like virus and the theme of homosexuality. Mm. So that would be kind of interesting. Yes, that would be very interesting. Yeah, so they got George Takei to sign on. Uh, The episode in which Takei will appear, World Enough in Time, will be co-written by two guys I've never heard of. Um... (laughs) But one of them ha- actually wrote for uh, Deep Space Nine, which is kind of cool. So we're still waiting to see when the episode with Katie comes out. And as soon as it does, of course, we will watch yes. it and be reporting on it. Yes. So that's good. Those guys are just kind of um, chugging along there, which is great. Um, this was just a very silly thing, which I'll post a link to. But um, as you guys probably remember, we've been fascinated with all the different ship's uh, personnel that there always is somebody on the ship who does something. There's the ship's historian and the ship's... Clown. (laughs) (laughs) His name was Skippy. (laughs) I was going to say a real one before Uh we got to ship's clown. There's the ship's um, phrenology expert, (laughs) right? Right. And then there's the ship's clown. And then there's the ship's barber. And then there's the ship's embroiderer. And And costumer. Costumer and all the rest of that. Um, Somebody over at the Trek BBS... Ship's plumber. Yeah. Had posted some screen caps from Charlie X. And uh, someone had subtitled one of them. Pleased to meet you, Charlie. I'm Crewman Weiss, the ship's chimney sweep. (laughs) I like that. Um, Over at Trek BBS, every now and then they'll do this. They'll they'll screen cap a bunch of... Or they'll um, caption a bunch of screen caps. And Mm -hmm. they... They're worth going through because there's almost always some stuff in there that will just make you laugh really hard. Um, okay. Oh, excuse me. Moving right along, um, how did you find this thing with the Movie Land Wax Museum auction? You know, I don't know. I've got, like, <laughs> Google or Yahoo News alerts or stuff set up, you know, for William Shatner. So it's amazing, though, how many different things reported on his kidney stone. Wow. But this showed up. So this is at... Okay, so there's a place called the Movie Land Wax Museum. I don't even know where that is. It doesn't. It's in Movie Land. <laughs> okay, <laughs> there you go. Um, and some of its assets are being auctioned off. One suspects that they need some money, or they're closed, <laughs> or something like that, or their CEO just got arrested for tax. Or evasion. they need to just make make room make for, room for, for a new stuff. fabulous wax. So stuff. at the website of Asset Reliance Incorporated, you can find the auction for the um, Star Trek set and all of the wax figures that they have. And there's and a, they're life size. They are life size, and there's a nice picture of them. And uh, the Spock one pretty much looks like Nimoy. The Sulu and Chekhov ones don't look like them at all. Um, well, I the Chekhov one kind you know, they kind of do from over here. They do. I guess so. Okay. Um, well. The, the Shatner one, I can't really tell because it's no. too far away. Can we make this a little bigger? Oh, not very know. much. But, uh, yeah, so they're going on auction. So in case anybody has any big bucks that they want to, you know. Wouldn't that be the thing to have in your living room? Ugh. Wax figures. That would be a little scary. <laughs> 
creepy, really creepy. Well, yeah. It'd be like it would be like you know people who are taxidermists and they keep that stuff around the house. <laughs> I'd be scared that they'd be up walking around when I wasn't there. Yeah, the would wax you really figures. About that? I would. Okay. Creepy. Okay. Uh, next on the list, this is so weird. You were just saying this that um, you get stuff for Shatner. So William Shatner is going to be. This is the whole. This is a press release, right? This is. In, couched in such marketing speak, it totally cracks me up because I have to deal with this every day at work. Um, so the headline says, Flame Seal Products Incorporated to be showcased on the Heartbeat of America TV program hosted by William Shatner with a focus on products and developments for aerospace. The ones that were left by those gods yeah. um, a million years ago. That's it. So Shatner's shilling again. Of course. He's going to be doing a 30-minute program for a company called Flame Seal. And I'm trying to find out what Flame Seal actually does. And this is what it says. Now, tell me if you can figure out what this means. Okay. okay. The key, key is in quotes, key business strategy of Flame Seal is to create alliances with larger corporations, which quickly enhances the strength of the company in each market by employing the networks for marketing, sales, applications, etc., that already exist within the structure of such corporations. See previous news releases. Okay, I think it's basically to just make their structure so complicated that it's real easy to hide all the um, illegal and nefarious financial goings-on. I think so. It sounds kind of like a multi-level marketing plan to yeah. me. Yeah. But anyway, Bill Schilling for him, so whatever. He has like a drinking buddy on the uh, Speaking of Bill Schilling, he yeah. has a new Priceline commercial out. Oh, I haven't really? seen it. Oh. Um, and the people who have seen it have said... He doesn't say anything in it. So if you're sort of not paying attention to TV, his voice isn't going to to catch your attention. But apparently it takes place in a hotel, and at the very end, he's like the bellboy. Oh, really? And you only see him. You don't okay. hear that, him. So we'll have to watch for that. Okay, that's cool. Okay, what do we got? Another thing here. This is also posted at the Trek BBS, and this is really interesting. Um, somebody posted... And, and this was later followed up with a photo proving it, that in the original version of Wrath of Khan, uh, there was a baby. And yeah, it was and Khan and Marla's this. baby, and I didn't know that. Little Khan Jr. And people said he was he was in the movie, and it was filmed and everything, and then they just cut it out of the movie. So that was kind of cool. I didn't know that. And it was interesting. They get into some speculation about why it was cut. Yeah. And uh, one of the reasons that somebody brought up, and I thought was probably pretty valid about, well, you know, to have a baby die mm-hmm. was kind of a downer. Yeah, yeah, that would be bad. Do you have the novelization? Yeah. Have you read it? Yeah, but it's been so long I don't I remember. I wonder who would reread it. Uh, so somebody else posted saying, um, I'd pay for this movie again to see this scene and many others that were cut from the movie. And then this person went on to list a couple of them. Um, the original Kirk versus David fight, which I guess was longer. Mm. Um, original bridge ending without Spock's tube before they decided to do the whole Genesis thing. Yeah, that would be interesting to see. Yeah, um, the Eden cave scene where Savik and David are attracted, so there was something. I remember that from something I read. I think that's in the novels. Yeah, I think so. And I know that's, that's sort of a fanon thing, too. Yeah. Um, McCoy recognizes Terrell as an old shipmate. I had no idea about that. No, I didn't know any of uh, Spock lectures Savik in the Torpedo Bay. I don't know what that means. Uh, McCoy argues with David. Terrell bluffs Beach and Kyle into beaming Khan aboard. Khan first taking the Reliant Bridge. And last but not least, Kirk and Spock discuss Savic, Savic's heritage. And some people have actually seen that I've footage. I've seen that. Have I you remember really? that. 
Was it good? It's just a, a, a very um, little bit where it, it, Spock says something about, you know, her Romulan Vulcan is a, is a, mm-hmm. um, a volatile mixture or something. I mean, it's very, very short. Yeah. But I think it was, like, in the movie as originally released or something. Because, you know, you talk to people, and some people say, I swear to God I saw that in the theater. Mm-hmm. And that it's not in the, the DVD or VCR release. It absolutely could have been. You know, in the very first release, they yeah. they probably trimmed some stuff here and there for whatever reason. So it's kind of cool. I'll put up a link to this because uh, there's a couple of people have posted a couple of stills that actually show the baby. Right, Which yes. is fairly interesting. And then there's more detail on some things that got cut. And some people posted uh, um, uh, excerpts from the script that they have somehow mm-hmm. uh, to talk about it. So that's kind of cool. You know, I, people want to see that kind of footage. It would be cool. Well, I think somewhere in that thread, somebody brought up the idea that, you know, they're always trying to, to find ways to suck more money out of the fans and one way would be a dvd that as its extras has these scenes yeah totally people would pay for that absolutely yeah i don't know why they don't put it on in the first place yeah very strange so that's cool that was a good thing thanks for uh, sending that because i had no idea about that no they have some some uh, fun discussions over on track bbs i never post i just read there but it, it's it's interesting. That's, it is very interesting, and that's kind of my MO, is just to read and not to post. Um, so let's see, there was one more thing. Well, why don't you read something, and, and then okay. I've got one more thing. Well, um, this is something, uh, this is terrible. I can't remember the name. I'm too lazy to dig through my email and find it. But somebody sent me something saying that on one of the, the Trek groups, they were having a, a poll mm-hmm. as to who was your favorite TOS guest star, but not an alien. Mm-hmm. And the top three at the time this person wrote to me were Chris Pike, Edith Keeler, and Khan. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, Khan, yes, great. Yeah. Great story, great performance. Pike is, is... I don't get that one at all. He's such a cold fish... And really thinking about it, if he had been, if they had picked up Enterprise or Star Trek when, you know, he was the captain and made that, it would have been just another totally Mm -hmm. forgettable 60s TV series. So Mm -hmm. I don't get that at all. Edith, okay. I'm I'm, I'm going to rant here. I'm going to to, um, shatter everybody's little bubble. Everybody goes on and on about Edith was the big love of Kirk's life, blah, 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 blah. Well, okay. Maybe I could believe that if she was not played by Joan Collins. Mm-hmm. Because everyone goes on, it's a great story. It's the best episode ever. It's always placed as the best episode. And it is a very good episode. And yes, it's a very good story. But Joan Collins is a brainless idiot. And she says her lines like she doesn't know what they mean. And I don't think she does know what they mean. Yeah. She's just going, someday men will travel. To the stars. It's like, oh my God! I mean, going through the Guardian had to have turned Kirk's brain to mush. Well, you know, Joan Collins was probably just looking at William Shatner and thinking about how much she wanted him to do her. Which he did. Which he did, of course. So either she was looking at him and thinking, and before it happened, she was looking at him thinking, wow, I really want him to do me. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, she was looking at him thinking, that was great. That was just so good. Well, yeah, they and did she, have a, they did have an affair. And, yeah, and, you and she know, pretty much had an affair with everyone. But how could she concentrate on that when you know? No you, excuse. You, 
No excuse. We saying. have seen other I'm actresses manage to do their job standing there with Bill thinking, I want to do him, or God, that was great the way he did me. Right? Well, you know, when your brain is the size of a walnut, <laughs> there's not a lot of room in there. Okay, so who would be your top three? Oh, for guest stars? Yeah. I know who you're going to say. Uh, boy, that's a tough one. I hadn't even thought about it until now. Mitchell. Mitchell, of course. Does he count as a guest star? Yeah, He's I guess He's human. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So definitely Mitchell. Um, well, I have to agree with you on the one, which is Helen Noel, of course. Yes. Because she's so incredibly wonderful. And, you know, I have to say, I like Diana Moldauer in the two roles that she mm. was in. I thought she was very good, okay. both as Miranda and as uh, whoever she was in that other episode. I can't remember her name. Uh, Dr. Dr. Whatever. Mulhall. Yeah. She's good. I yes. liked her. Yes, she was. You know, she has... I liked her better in the Dr. Mulhall one. Yeah. Yeah. But, she, you know, she's a good actor, and she sort of struck me as the way I would imagine an actual female Starfleet officer to be. Like, yeah. she wasn't all wimpy. You know who else I'd put up there? Who? Uh, Steve Inat, who plays Garth. Oh, yeah. Oh, Terrible he's great. Terrible episode yeah, redeemed by yeah. that guy. Oh, he's wonderful. And, um... I, I love the Apollo episode, Michael yeah. Forrest playing Apollo. Oh, yeah. He's very good. I have to put in one one other very, oh, very... Oh, he's, he's not a human. Very small part. And I can't even remember which episode this was in, but there is an episode with... Um, Lieutenant Masters. Yes. Do you remember which episode that was? No, but I know, but, you know she's she, actually in two episodes, but really? I know the one you're well, talking about. Well, in the one that she's sort of featured in, she's in engineering, and A, she's a woman, and B, she's black. Mm-hmm. And she's so competent. Oh, it's just wonderful, you know? There's some emergency going on, and they call down to her, and she's, like, working that board and mm-hmm. doing everything, and, ah, oh, just amazing. I was so happy that they did that. And like they often did in Trek in those times, no attention called to it whatsoever. I mean, she was just there. She was doing her yeah. job. It was great. I'm so pleased. And, you know, there was a piece of fan fiction that paired her with McCoy, which I, I thought was I so interesting. That. It was yeah. actually a very good piece of fan fiction. I like that. That was yeah. a nice touch. Yeah. I can't remember who wrote it or anything, but it was good. Yeah, so somebody will have to just go find that on their own if yeah. they want to. So I don't know who that, that person was who played the role, but I she was good. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the other thing we wanted to follow up on when we were talking about the Trek weddings in Vegas and the various <laughs> types of weddings you could have, um, Devon wrote to us and said, Hey, girls, just a thought. If the Hilton is now doing TNG weddings, then how much is the Betazoid wedding? I know my uh-huh. wife wouldn't have gone for that, but some couples might. The Betazoid wedding. So I was myself that we didn't. And we didn't even think of the Betazoid I wedding. I know. It was complete oversight on our part not to think of the Betazoid wedding. Well, because we were talking about, you know, they had the Klingon wedding uh-huh. and everything. But you know what I was thinking about the Betazoid wedding? Yeah. Um, we did see a little bit of it in a TNG episode where Loxana got married. That's right. Um, and in the last Star Trek movie, I believe it was Insurrection or whatever, mm-hmm. it starts at the wedding reception of Troy and... Riker. Yeah, and she naked? No, nobody's naked. Oh, well, I guess and they wasn't have a the Betazoid idea, wedding. <laughs> wasn't the idea that every uh, the guests and everybody was supposed to be naked? I seem to remember that because there's something either in the movie or in the episode where um, Worf is is saying, 
it would be undignified for me to appear naked at a wedding. And Picard smacks him down saying, you know, you will show respect to these people this mm-hmm. way and I'm going to the gym and all he <laughs> But here's what I'm thinking. This movie opens at their wedding reception and everybody's happy. They're at the table and Picard's making a toast and they're all real, you know, they're not drunk or anything. They're, they're all just very comfortable. And I'm thinking, okay, I don't know, maybe we've evolved really, really far by the 24th century. But I'm thinking of the people I've worked with. And if we had all been together at a wedding and seen each other naked... First of all, we would have been drunk before the wedding. We would have uh-huh. had to be. And by the well, reception, yeah. even though at that point we apparently are allowed to put clothes on, it, nobody could have even looked at each other. <laughs> That's so funny. You know, that whole... <laughs> the whole Betazoid wedding thing with being naked and all that was just... Sunbeam pointed this out in her TNG episode guide that, <laughs> of, course. of course, because she knows everything. You know, I need to ask her about the word cooter because she is from the South. <laughs> Let's ask she her. She would know. I keep forgetting to I'll email ask her. Yeah, she would know. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, um, what was I saying? Nudity. Oh, oh, nudity. Yeah, the reason that they did the nudity was that, you know, they had a habit in Trek, especially when it got to Next Generation, because it wasn't really true in TOS. <clears throat> that nudity was always associated with the characters that you least wanted to see nude. Wow. If you think about it, yeah. yeah. And it was basically used to make fun of people like Loxana Troy, who was, mm-hmm. you know, an older woman who was kind of silly and always pursuing men. So the way that you want to, you know, make fun of her would basically be to take her clothes off. And they did that with the Ferengi, too. Yeah. You know, just to, to show how silly they were. But, uh, yeah, like that. So, um, you know, I'm actually looking this up in Wikipedia right now, mm-hmm. and um, the Betazoid wedding occurs under a entry called Nudity in Science Fiction. <laughs> Bet you didn't know there was an entry called that, so let me read this to you. Um, in Gene Roddenberry's Star Trek Next Generation, it is established that the Betazoid race conduct weddings in the nude as a celebration of love. Nudity is expected of the bride, groom, wedding party, and guests. Not mandatory, just customary. <clears throat> Excuse me. In one episode, however, Loxana Troy decides to break her engagement to a groom from a stuffy, protocol-obsessed people who are not interested in fun by showing up in the buff at the wedding ceremony. Yes, I remember that. Okay, so that's the episode. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, this was probably only a few months ago. Um, you know how the, the back page of the Sunday magazine is often like an essay or something? And I think this was the, the San Francisco Chronicle. And... I could be completely misremembering it, but anyway, it was written where it was, but it was written by a woman talking about when she got married and her fiancé, his dream had, had been, and I didn't even know guys had dreams about what they wanted at their wedding, ah, but he did. They just trying not to think about it. Yeah, well, he had always wanted to be married in the nude to symbolize openness, blah, 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 blah. She didn't want to do this, uh-huh. so their compromise was that he would be naked uh-huh. and that she could wear a white bath towel. Oh. And at the last minute, she just decided not to wear the bath towel. Wow, that's and pretty cool. And they lived happily ever after. But Aww. I'm reading it, and all I can think is, it's the beta side wedding. <laughs> they were so far ahead of their time. Centuries. Centuries ahead of their time. That's right. That's great. So thank you, Devin, for reminding us of that. The, how could we have missed that? And then I wanted to say this, and I, I feel so stupid because, of course, I can't find the email that I wanted to, you know, being that this is show number 30 and I'm being terribly, terribly disorganized. But um, one of our listeners sent us email and said, um, 
you guys missed the most obvious thing in the world about Cooter. Oh, uh, that was in the, the uh, blog. Oh, it was in the blog. Okay, it was one of our comments on the blog. And it was from Mr. D.A. Mr. D.A. Thank you so much. Of course we should have looked it up in the dictionary. I don't know why I didn't do I that. I just Duh. never expect a word like that to be in the dictionary. But but there it is. There it's, it is. It's in the dictionary, and Cooter is a word for turtle. A, a turtle. So I don't quite get how you get from turtle, you know, to Cooter. But um, that's kind of weird. Yeah. I don't really get that. Because most women don't have hard shells around no, their cooters. No, they don't. So, anyway, we'll have to ask the southern experts and see what they have to That's say right. about that. Um, speaking of turtles and things like that, I had one other completely off-topic thing which I wanted to read because it's just so damn funny. Um, and this is a, a, a scientific discovery because, you know, at, here at the Look at His Butt World headquarters, <laughs> we are always up on the cutting edge of what's happening in science. Of whatever has an edge to be cut. You know, we're scientists. Um, and this is from Nature News. It takes It's a, a news flash from Sydney, Australia, so to all our, our friends down under. Okay. Newly discovered worm fences with penis. Australian scientists are set to announce the discovery of a species of flatworm, which is a member of a group of predators known as oyster leeches. And um, the creatures have both male and female parts and engaged in sexual practice somewhat like penis fencing. To reproduce, they try to stab each other with their genitals, and the first to penetrate inserts sperm and then goes on to spar with another flatworm. The loser, losers in quotes, <laughs> lays and broods the eggs. <laughs> I'd say that that is the loser. I would say so. And, and this was sent to us by our good friend, Jonk. And her comment on this was, it sounds like the plot of a rejected third season script. But you know what? What? I can't believe they filmed, like, Spock's brain and didn't film this. And my question is, who would have played the worms? Could it, Like, I, I imagine in the plot, you know, two of the regular Enterprise members get morphed into the worms somehow. Well, you know, they did film this for um, Voyager. With the lizards. With I lizards. But I like worms better. Okay. So I, I, think, I think it would have been um, Chekhov and Sulu. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. They would have made yeah. good worms. They're fencing with each other. But which one would have been the loser? I think that's the question. Oh, definitely Chekhov. Chekhov. And he would have screamed. Ah! He would have screamed. <laughs> he would have screamed. Ah! definitely would have screamed. Ah! <laughs> <clears throat> well, while we're on the subject of Australia, are we up yes, to this now? Yes, we are up to this now. I think this is the last piece, right? Okay. Uh, an email from our good friend from Down Under, Maynard. Yay! About the Wiggles. Oh, Good please. Oh, please. The wiggles. the wiggles. And this made me laugh so hard. I love Maynard. I have worn my Starfleet outfit, a Kirk copy with special Shatner shoulder pads, for TV taping or when I DJ to thrill the crowd. And almost every time someone has said, usually a drunk 30-ish woman, are you one of the Wiggles? <laughs> Uh, Are you one of the Wiggles, then? (laughs) Are you a Wiggle, dear? Um, Now, he he goes on to explain a little bit to us about the Wiggles. They are an internationally successful troupe of children's performers that used to be a Sydney-based band called the Cockroaches in the (laughs) 80s. Is that anything to do with the Beatles, do you think? So they evolved from cockroaches to to Wiggles. They are probably in the top ten money earners in the entertainment business here in Australia. I believe that. Along with Bjorn again an ABBA tribute franchise. On some nights, there can be three Bjorn Again bands playing based in the UK now. Their best-known hit here is Wake Up Jeff, 
and they often have Dorothy the Dinosaur and a highly overacting pirate because kids love that. I have interviewed them once or twice at the ARIA Awards, which are our version of the Grammys. I mainly asked them if they were on drugs. <laughs> Go, As their performances seem just a little amphetamine-ish to me. But apparently they are drug-free and just naturally, colorfully flamboyant. Yeah. I'll attach Wake Up Jeff, um, blah, 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 blah. Oh, along with uh, Maynard did a, a podcast with an interview he did with Culture Club and Village People backstage. You both know that's where the real show is. When I compared their combined Australian tour in 2000. Yeah, that's what I just listened to. Yes. That was very funny. So, uh, Maynard, thank you for, for the information, but I just I just love somebody seeing you in a Kirk costume and asking if you're one of the Wiggles. <laughs> I mean, it makes me laugh, but I also sympathize with you. Only in Australia. I don't think that would happen in the United States. No, because we don't know what Wiggles are. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are probably a a subgroup of parents of small children who know who the Wiggles are. But in general, I think you would get the Kirk thing first. I think so. Yeah. So we're going to play that song. We're going to close with Wake Wake Up Up Jeff. Jeff. That's our song from the Wiggles. Um, We'll be back next time. I think we might actually do an episode next time. We We keep trying to. I know. There's just so much. Always. Always. So much going on. Okay. Till next time. Wake up, Jess. Everybody's wiggling. Wake up, Jess. We really need you. Wake up, Jess. You're missing all the fun now. Wake up, Jeff, before the day's through. What's that sound? I can hear somebody snoring. What's that sound? It's not Murray or Greg. Anthony's awake, so let's have another guest now. Oh my goodness, it must be Jeff. Wake up, Jess. Everybody's wiggling. Wake up, Jess. We really need you. Wake up, Jeff. You're missing all the fun now. Wake up, Jeff, before the day's through. Dorothy the dinosaur is munching on some roses. Wags the dog is digging up bones. Henry the octopus is dancing round in circles. Wake up, Jeff. We need you for the show. Wake up, Jeff. Everybody's wiggling. Wake up, Jeff. We really need you. Wake up, Jeff. You're missing all the fun now. Wake up, Jeff, before the day's through. Uh, 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 Can you keep that noise down? I'm trying to sleep.